This is the Forgotten Ways Podcast, the show where we explore what it looks like to both love God and honor the earth. Join me, Brandon Scott Elrod, in fun interviews with friends who are clergy, philosophers, politicians, business owners, and regular folks like you and me, who are all learning and growing in both our faith and our environmental stewardship. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Forgotten Ways Podcast. We are joined today by Marilee Davis, longtime friend of ours. Uh, Marilee is a, first and foremost, a nature lover. As much as, as long as we've known her, that has been a defining quality. She is involved in many things, um, from volunteerism to raising and showing rabbits. Uh, you can you can explain that more for us. Uh, raising chickens, tending to horses, working at a, a veterinary clinic, like all kinds of things. So she's a nature lover first and foremost. She is a prayer warrior. She is a businesswoman. Uh, she's a lot of things. But very excited to have her on the podcast today. So welcome, Marley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I think animal lovers can sometimes get a bad rap or be labeled as crazy animal people or crazy tree hugging people or, <laughs> you know, crazy nature people. Um, but one thing I wanted to just say, especially with animal lovers is as an animal lover is I think especially as believers, I think that, that we have a responsibility to put people first before animals. Mm-hmm. Um, as an animal lover, animals are obviously a central part of my life, but I would never choose my animal's well-being or my own well-being, honestly, over, I mean, I would not choose my animal over a human's well-being. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, we see people make choices that we don't understand to protect or preserve their animals at the expense of other humans. Hmm. And I, um, anyways, I, I, I think that that is a, I think that's backwards. Um, what, what, what feeds into that? What drives that, do you think? Well, one thing that I have noticed is that I think the animal community in general, and I'll say especially the horse community I've noticed, I think is a very um, wounded group of people. And I mean wounded Mm. in the sense of they've been hurt by people. Um, And I mean, I can see this to a degree uh, true about myself. I think for sure animals and the horses were safe and there Mm -hmm. was a connection with them that I was looking for as a young person that maybe I wasn't getting from the humans that I needed to get it from. Okay. But, um, you know, I think people a lot of times will connect to the animals because they are safe. An animal is not going to abandon them. There's a loyalty. There's a, Mm. you know, they're, they're looking for something. There's a need there that an animal can fill that a human hasn't. Um, and even with that, maybe learning to have a little bit of compassion for the extreme animal lovers in your life and, knowing that they may have been really hurt by people and that's why the animals are just an easier an easier source of connection yeah. for them um, so I think taking a deeper look at that but mm-hmm. yeah I do you know I think order is important I think God is a god of order and I think scripture makes it clear that we're at the top of that order and that our job is to care for the animals and care for the land but um, and so I think that means we have to keep people as our central focus of what we care f- for. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Um, and and animals aren't cared for at the at the expense of people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have any any examples of 
of what that might look like in a real world situation, like um, somebody who might be an extreme example of that? Well, okay, so I there is a woman I used to care for her animals a long time ago. Um, she had two horses, very well cared for horses. I mean, these horses had the very best of everything, mm -hmm. supplements, care, all the things. Um, and I remember she had a daughter, a teenage daughter at the time, and they lived with her parents. And I, and I don't mean this to sound judgy at all, but I, it makes me question, I think for myself, I would not feel comfortable living with my parents, um, especially if I had my own children, mm. because if I was to move out, I wouldn't be able to afford my horses. Right. Um, so I think, and I think you see a lot of that, especially in the horse world of humans are, are asked to sacrifice mm. for the well-being of the animal. And I just, I think that's a little bit backwards. Okay. Um, but again, I think looking at it with compassion, I think often you have a person who the horses have been their everything. And yeah. so how it's like the homeless person that won't go into a shelter because like their shelter, because they can't bring their pet with them. Mm. And I think you know, on the outside, that seems kind of stupid and ridiculous. Like, why would you not get yourself off the street? It's just a dog. But I think to that person, it's not just a dog. That's their companion. That's a loyal friend. It's right. it's also what they care for. It gives them purpose and mm. and maybe even something to live for in extreme cases is that animal that relies on them. So mm. I just think sometimes there's more than meets the eye with some of that stuff. Right. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I, I recall one example of uh, a person who would feed their their little dog this elaborate diet of hand cooked, you know, personally cooked on the stove, like gourmet food basically for a dog. But yet the quality of the food that their family was eating was junk food. Right. I go, wow, the dog's eating better than the family. <laughs> Right. It just seems a little backwards. Yeah. So, anyways, I feel like I can say that as an animal lover that likes to give my animals good things and yeah. care for them well, that still I think there's a line, especially yeah. as believers, that we have to hold to. Yeah, and, I, and that's actually a really good point <laughs> because I think that's where some, some people in the church get hesitant in, in the big picture conversation of caring about the environment or um, caring for trees, you know, they don't want to be the caricature. They don't want to be the person who's chained to a tree. So as if the only options are you either don't care or you care all the way and bind yourself to a tree in front of a bulldozer. Like there's nothing in the middle, right? And and you're you're giving some permission here for animal lovers and people in the church who don't want to be the extreme caricature, but maybe haven't seen healthy modeling somewhere in the middle of sure. what it looks like to live a balanced life and engage with nature um, in a way that um, has some healthy you know parameters to it. And um, that that's what I hear in yeah. your words. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this is too far of a stretch, too, but, you know, I think that the Bible talks often about us caring for the least of these. Mm. And obviously, the scripture is talking about people. Sure. Um, but I think you can stretch it just a little more. And I think we have, a, you could consider animals or plants, trees, our earth as the least of these. They are 
defenseless in many ways. They depend on us to care for them well yeah. or else they won't survive. And so um, I often think you can tell a lot about a person, a lot about like where their heart is based on how they care for the least of these. And I think animals could be included in that. Mm. Um, how, how does a person care for an animal that has very little to give them back if you're looking at the world's economy? Mm-hmm. Um, or how do you care for the forest or the ocean or whatever it is? Um, you know, in a world that operates based off of money and greed and in that way, it seems like they have very little to give back to us. And yet God says we're supposed to pay attention to, to yeah. the little things. So, yeah. And, and he does. So, well, I hear in that an invitation to, to the church as a, as a whole, um, and really particularizing and calling out people's individual design and wiring and just the, the freedom for those who are listening that maybe don't connect with this conversation at all. Like animals, not my thing. I, I don't get yep. it. I don't have any, <laughs> any compassion there. I wish I did. I would like to. But man, if I'm just being honest, I, I don't. I don't really care. But, um, but I, I really like the beach. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Like. I think there's some freedom in all of us being wired differently and having different passions that were intended to complement each other. Totally. And that there, while we all have capacity to care about animals in, in the way that you're talking about, there are likely those who care much more and maybe the ones who are called to and, and wired to, um, to tend to, right. to that side of creation. Um, and if you are perhaps a pragmatist who's listening to this and going, yeah, that's not me, I would encourage you to, to ask into that. Well, what is it then? Sure. Where, where does your heart come alive? Set aside buildings and architecture and all those wonderful things that, that we've come up with. When it comes to natural things, where, where does your heart come alive? What, yeah. what, where do you feel that energy? Where do you feel that connection? Is it hiking in the middle of you know, a national park, is it stillness on uh, on an ocean shore? Then sure. that may be a clue as to where you can jump in because you were designed for work, fulfilling work. Yes. And maybe where your heart comes alive is exactly where you can commit and give of yourself. Totally. And I think everyone can, regardless of whether you're an animal lover or not, or a nature lover, whether it's our passion, I think as believers, we all have a responsibility to do well and treat well. And that doesn't mean that you have to have chickens in your backyard and love trees. Like, I right, think it's right. just, it's an understanding if God made it, then it's good. And, and he made it. Yeah. We should we should respect it and care for it, too. Yeah. And, yeah. There's a there's a term that I, I've stumbled upon recently, and I, I really enjoy it. I, I think it's it's a whole message in and of itself, but it's, it's the dignity of creation. Yes. And I think in that is, is so much, um, from our pleasure and enjoyment to our stewardship of it, to our investment into it, to our ordering of it, to any number of things. Um, but that there's an inherent specialness and specialness doesn't have to equate with it's on the level of humanity. I agree. If that is your initial pushback, um, 
but that there's still a dignity to it because it was designed by those by by God who who created us right. and He created it for us. So there's an inherent dignity to it. So how do we get to engage with that? I agree, hundred yeah. percent. So okay, so we've talked about dogs, we've talked about horses, we talked about rabbits. Let's talk about chickens. Okay. So you have a big, beautiful chicken coop. Yes. And you've had chickens for many years. Yes. And they give you eggs. How did you get into that? Because that seems like like almost like a. I, I realize we're talking about loving animals, but that sounds like you're just signing up for a lot of work. Yeah. Um, true. So I. You can't ride the chickens. You can't ride them. They don't really do anything except. Poop. Poop. <laughs> a lot all over the place if you let them out of their coop. Um, they give us eggs, which is which is nice. Um, but, gosh, honestly, a lot of it is just for the fun of it. Um, I remember I'd, I had no idea that living in Orange, in this urban area, that chickens were even allowed until okay. a friend of mine got them. And I was like, what? We can have chickens? <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. And so... Um, that's where the idea came from, really. And um, they've honestly just been a lot of fun. Um, again, it's something that I've been able to enjoy and connect with my kids over. You get them when they're babies. Um, my daughter was probably three when we got okay. our first batch of chickens. And these chickens, you know, were so used to being picked up and held and carried mm. around and, and loved on that even as full-grown birds, my you know three-year-old could walk right over and scoop it up and carry wow. it around. Um, which was really fun. Um, and, you know, the eggs are, are a bonus. They don't, I mean, we definitely spend more money on the chickens than, you know, they save us with yeah. the eggs that they, they produce. Um, I think one of the most fun things about having, like, a, a side effect of the chickens is having a lot of eggs. Especially we've had, um, there's a breed, the Americanas, they're called Easter Eggers, and they actually lay different colored eggs so oh, okay. you know when you go to the store you only get white or brown yeah but these chickens they'll some lay blue eggs some lay green eggs some lay pink eggs and wow. any shade in between so if you're lucky enough to get one that lays a color you have this you know beautiful variety of eggs mm -hmm. and one of my favorite things to do when we have massive amounts of eggs is to be able to take them as a gift you know you get invited over for dinner somewhere and instead yeah. of bringing a bottle of wine you bring you know this beautiful yeah. collection of eggs to yeah. your friend and you know the eggs taste better it's really interesting if you compare mm -hmm. a backyard chicken who has access to bugs and dirt and grass and gets to free range a little bit mm -hmm. uh, the quality and taste of the egg versus what you buy yeah. in the grocery store um, and you know at this point in time we don't have a big garden in our backyard um, but when the kids w were little littler we did and the the full circle and cycle of even using the the manure as mm -hmm. fertilizer. Um, we have an orange tree in our backyard. Sometimes I just take it and dump it, you know, all around there. Yeah. Um, a gross thing you can do is make chicken poop tea. Mm. I think I've told you about this before. Tell and, us, tell yeah, us about chicken poop tea. This is fascinating. You just take a whole bunch of chicken poop from the bottom of the coop. <laughs> you put it in a bucket and you fill it up with water and you let it sit there for a couple of days. And Ooh. then you use that to water all of your plants. So Wow, that's yeah. probably incredibly rich. And disgusting also and stinky. <laughs> but yeah, so good for the soil, so good for plants. Um, because that's part of the closed loop system that God designed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, wow. 
And it's just fun to see them. They're ridiculous little creatures, you know, strutting around, bobbing their head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they are surprisingly, um, I don't want to say intelligent. Like, that feels like too far of a stretch. But, <laughs> like, they do recognize people. They can recognize okay. faces. Um, if you are kind to them from the time they're babies, mm-hmm. they will follow you around your backyard. Um, you know, like you're their little mama all yeah. their, their whole life. Um, so, yeah, they're silly and ridiculous, but so much fun. Wow. Yeah. So I know nothing about chickens. Okay. Um, so the ones that the Americanas that lay different colored eggs, can one chicken, does one chicken only make one color? Yes. Okay. But different, if you have multiples of those, of that breed, you might get a range of colors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they lay from the first time they lay is the color they lay. It's not like you're going to get a green egg and then a blue egg and then a pink egg. Okay. Um, so yeah, ideally you have a couple of them and wow. you get a couple different colored eggs. So are these are these Americanas uh, more expensive than other chickens? Mm-mm. Nope. I, I would say, you know, we've bought chickens. There's a local store called The Wagon Train that's up um, at the top of Newport and Chapman if you're local around here. Um, this time of year and pretty much all year long they sell chickens. I know they have mm. a ton now um, but it's typically like Gosh, I want to say between like three and five dollars per chicken. Okay. Um, they're not expensive pets The feed is probably about thirty dollars a month um, Probably the priciest part is just getting the coop set up and sure. established um, And they're pretty low maintenance. I use something in the bottom of my coop called coop clean which um, has PDZ. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's some kind of um, like odor neutralizing okay. mixed with hay and other things. Uh-huh. And it does a great job. I probably at this point only clean my coop like once a month. Okay. And it seems to work real well. Um, so yeah, you can order chickens from a local pet store mm-hmm. or you can order them online. Um, if you want to buy chickens in bulk, a lot of times they sell them in groups of 20. Can you get them on Amazon Prime? You can, I don't think so. <laughs> and you have to go to the post office and pick them up. That was really fun too. Really? We didn't want to. We didn't want twenty chickens, but we went in with a couple of friends uh-huh. who wanted chickens, and so I got a notice from the post office saying your package has arrived. And so come they, get it now. Yep, come get it. And so I, you know, they bring it out from the behind the pack, and it's just beep 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 beep. Wow. Beep. It was really fun. That's so, remarkable. Yes, yeah, chicken by mail. That's funny. So, they come from like Ohio or something. It's crazy. That's weird that you yeah. can mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So something that I have wondered about, and I, I don't know if you have any any thoughts or insight on this, but the thought occurs to me that if the regarding the growing conditions for animals, and you're you're describing a growing condition where um, they have you know they're well cared for. They the, the, the they have the free range option in your backyard, um, the bugs and the you know healthy topsoil and like the the whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very nurturing environment. You know the affection from your daughter and like all this stuff. So contrasted with a corporate farm, contrasted with the most extreme growing condition the other way where it is, it's, it's hardship. Yeah. My processing of that is that if an animal is grown 
under duress, under tension, under pain, under whatever that collective product is, that the the duress is expressed directly into the food that it's making, the eggs, in this case, chickens, mm-hmm. like that there's an imprint in the eggs, and now people are consuming this emotional um, residue of sorts, whether mm-hmm. that's expressed in hormones and, and the balance that's released into the eggs or whatever biologically goes into the formation of those eggs. Mm-hmm. Like that's passed on to people and we're, and we're eating that. Um, and I would assume the same would apply to any other livestock or anything that's produced. And it's in the, the comparison between the two extreme environments. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on that to, uh, based on your experience? Yeah, that's really, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think in life, in many circumstances, whether we're talking about animals or how to grow plants, um, the way that God says to do it is mm-hmm. the best way. And I think, you know, there are multiple things in scripture we could pull out and highlight for that. Um, but, you know, I hadn't thought very much about the food actually being affected because of the quality of life of the animal. Um, but that does make sense. Um, I, I go more to a place of I think we just have a responsibility as humans. If God told us to care for the earth and for the, the creatures that live in it, then... Mm-hmm. Um, then we need to figure out a way to do that that is respectful and and best for the animals too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing I appreciate about kosher food. If you ever go to a market and you buy a kosher chicken or, or something like that, part of the kosher laws um, stipulate how the animal is not only to be raised, but also how it's killed. So we're, I think, in a system, assuming, which I do, I believe that animals were are subject to us that we you know can and should eat them mm-hmm. um but i think all that being said like there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it and i think um you know i think it's it's interestingly it's something that native americans do well um okay. i'm not saying i agree with all of their theologies of everything but there is a respect and a and a reverence and a gratitude for the animal before they kill it and eat it mm-hmm. uh, using all parts of the animal um you know, recognizing that there was a sacrifice of life, you know, that was made right. for for our provision. Right. So, you know, I, I think the world unfortunately runs on profit and, uh, you know, I don't, it's not at the heart of, I think, the, the big companies that are, have these mass producing right. chicken farms and dairies and, you know, it's about the bottom line. It's not about respect or care or concern for the animal. And you're right, I think, full circle, it will come back. You have food that's less nutritious. I think we don't even understand. Maybe we're starting to understand some of the effects of that. And I think that probably science is going to continue to unfold the effects of how how we care for our land and our animals. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, I I know (laughs) of a a gentleman who uh, is Buddhist and owned a uh, commercial, you know, corporate um, chicken farm for a handful of years, maybe four or five years, somewhere around there. And it was a uh, one of the steps in the life cycle of um, production chickens. Um, 
and I don't know what big label it was for, but he would receive the the shipment of you know like ten thousand chickens when they're just uh, little hatchlings, and then he would care for them for this stretch of their life, and then and then they would they would um, come be be uh, gathered and taken away somewhere else, and. I know for him, even it was just something that started to eat at him more and more, like seeing how, and he probably was doing his best to make it the best operation he could for the chickens um, based on his personal (laughs) convictions. But even still, at some point he's like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is just eat at me and and my conscience isn't clean. I would rather not participate, you know, participate in this kind of um, operation and so he, he ended up selling off but um, yeah there there is I think a big difference um, and we've gone whether it's farming or animals or whatever we've gone such uh, the pendulum swing the other way towards the big and the massive and trying to go for efficiency and lower cost but yet I, I do believe that it affects human health yeah. The way that we are growing and, and raising these animals, I, I believe that we're reaping the the uh, the consequences personally, and we yeah. haven't even connected those dots completely yet. Yeah, I agree. So, well, for someone who is looking to move into, um, let's say, chickens specifically, okay, um, or the backyard thing, you know, maybe horses, maybe that's too big of a goal <laughs> for for a lot of folks, um, but chickens, if you can pull that off in your backyard. Um, and a way to kind of create a nurturing environment and 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 have the work element kind of checked off the list. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got some fulfilling work. Um, what what are some simple ways that you would encourage somebody to get involved? Um, well, I think first look online. There's a ton of great resources for backyard chickens. In fact, there's a website called backyardchickens.com. I think okay. that has a lot of good information. Um, second, I make well maybe first make sure that you're allowed to have chickens. Um, okay. Where we live, you are. I think we're allowed to have up to five and no roosters because they're allowed. Okay, that's a good um, distinction. Yeah, um, and we've had more than that at certain times. I think it also depends on your neighbors, and we happen to live in an area with a lot of chickens. So at any given time, you could probably hear oh, okay. any one of our neighbors' chickens squawking. Yeah. Sometimes it's ours, and sometimes it's theirs. Um, so make sure that you're zoned to be able to have them. Um, I think uh, looking for a coop, you can get them pre-made. Again, that's an easy like Amazon.com or local pet store mm-hmm. type operation. Um, you know, I think make sure they have enough room to walk around. Our coop is big enough for them to fly up onto different poles for them to roost. There's plenty of room for them to walk around. There's nesting boxes. There's shelter when it rains. So. Even when the chickens are inside, they still have plenty of space and freedom. Um, and then consider um, where you're going to let them free range, because it is best for them to be able to do, be chickens. Mm-hmm. And what chickens do is walk around and scratch at the ground and eat the bugs and all the things, which is really good for them. Um, so, yeah, consider your space. Do you have enough room to let them out? I think chickens and gardening go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. My only caution with that is make sure you get raised beds off the ground, or um, you'll have to put chicken wire around them because the chickens don't discriminate between the pile of dirt on the side of your house that you don't mind they scratch in and your beautiful vegetable garden. So they'll go in and scratch it all up. Okay. Um, 
benefit of chicken. I, chickens, I do notice that are the bug, like they're great animal control, or mm. not animal control, bug control mm-hmm. in a really natural way. We for sure have less spiders, especially spiders, I notice, huh. really decrease when I'm really regularly letting them okay. out because they eat a lot of them. Interesting. Yeah. Um, feed, again, you can buy online. It's pretty simple or a local feed store. It's $30 a month. Um, and yeah, coop clean would be my greatest suggestion for keeping the bottom of the coop smelling good and yeah. and it's easy to shovel out. And um, so yeah, I would say they're a pretty simple pet. Uh, you have to watch out for the poop. Um, you know, uh, I find that they always go to the perimeter of the property first. They're going to eat all the bugs all around, and then they're going to end up on my sofa last. So <laughs> keeping an eye on them and realizing, okay, they've been out for a really long time. I think they've eaten everything they can consume in the parts where I don't mind them being, and now they're going to move on to my outdoor sofa. Keeping an eye on that. Um, really yeah. But they're, they're fun. And if you get them from the time they're babies and really put a little effort into socializing them, mm-hmm. they're really ridiculous and fun little pets wow that's that's a good time (laughs) all right well i think that's about what we have for today Uh, i want to thank marilee davis for being with us and uh, sharing her inspiration about animals and some some practical tips for raising chickens and showing rabbits if you if you really want to go down that route yep so (laughs) it's a lot of fun (laughs) thanks for your time marilee good to have you thank you you've been listening to the forgotten ways podcast with brandon scott elrod to find out more visit ForgottenWays.org. Join us next time as we once again explore what it can look like to love God and respect the earth, beginning with our own heads, hearts, and homes.